we're moving to a world now where non-humans have the potential to create ideas, music, art, cultural artifacts. What the hell? Like, think for yourself, why do you even have a brain? The Social Psycho Confabulation with Ben and Mr. A. Good morning, good evening, good night, good afternoon. Um, is the end of the world here? Worldcoin is happening. And um, before we talk about Worldcoin, let's just briefly mention this oh. thing, which surprisingly has been off of both of our radars. But as I was doing my Worldcoin research, this uh, word kept popping up and I was like, okay, this is reminding me of the story that's been popping up on Facebook. I have a, a friend that, you know, I knew growing up. Let me see if I can actually find his post. I've noticed my Facebook feed doesn't show anything related to the fact that we're finding out for certain that we have non-human craft and bodies is that by design or do y'all just not care? I've literally not seen a single thing about it. Censorship or is my tinfoil hat too tight? So I commented just <clears throat> sometimes I get in a weird space and I'm like, I think I'll comment on Facebook. Um, I'll tell you about the aliens. <laughs> I just commented. I don't believe any of it about the alien stuff because apparently there's these hearings Yes. In Congress, and they're like, hearings. definitely aliens exist. We have the bodies, blah, blah, blah. Okay. So I say, I don't believe that shit. Later, I go back, and I'm looking through here, and really, most of them, of the people commenting on just this, it's not many comments, it's not like a viral post, just a friend, you know, just a rando in my town. And people are either saying, yeah, we already knew this, that's why no one cares, because it's like, of course... Or it's bullshit. Like, that's what everybody's saying. So I was like, I don't believe it. This guy says, I think it's all a joke. It's a psyop. Another guy says, psyop distraction. Another friend of mine mm. says, I don't believe it. Another friend, another person says, yeah. I mean, basically just like everyone's like, what is this crap? It's nothing. Interesting. But, so a lot of people don't believe it. But there's this, there are weird little wrinkles that really get you kind of thinking. So like there's, supposedly like these old paintings and stuff that show it's like ancient aliens evidence stuff you know like here's a painting of jesus from like the 1700s with a picture of a flying saucer in the background and you're like what the fuck is that like, what? I, I don't know what that is i don't know what what's is a flying that? saucer what what are you showing me right now and i went through this whole phase with this stuff and in that phase i found this like weird debunk thing so there was like ancient aliens was really big it's still really big but there was this guy that was doing a series on like debunking ancient aliens and some of the stuff that they debunked was so persuasive because they would be like here's this picture they showed you on ancient aliens and it would be like this crazy looking alien shit from like ancient cave carvings or something you know mm. and then this debunk guy would be like let's just take that same image and zoom out 
and it would zoom out and it would clearly not be what they were showing. It would be like the petal of a flower that just happened to look like a spaceship. But if you zoom out, you realize oh it's totally God. just a fucking flower or something. And you're like, what the fuck? So then you just you're like, what do you Bamboo believe? Because everything's. Yeah. You're like, that's such a clear example of just BS. Whereas yeah. some of it maybe wasn't some of it was. I don't know. Anyways. So let's talk about WorldCoin. And then I'll say, oh, and so the word that kept coming up in my, that's related to this alien thing that I, I just, there's something, it's not a direct link. It's just something weird about it. But the guy, I guess Sam Altman is the guy's name. Yes. That's, that's like one doing of the this. Co-founders of the WorldCoin. And I guess he's the guy that did OpenAI. Yes. He's right. the CEO okay. of OpenAI. That's ChatGPT, in case you're wondering. That's right. the company that brought you Which that. used to be open. Like an open source idea. Now it's like a private company or whatever, or a public company, whatever it is. Um, right. It was everything was open to the public, and now it's not so open. I mean, you everyone can still use it, but it used to be like the source code was available for everyone. Now that's not true. Yeah. So he kept using this word while discussing WorldCoin, and he kept using this word, humanness. Like that's something really important. And this really important thing to remember is humanness. And which sounds like quality of being a human, like, like humanness. The, yes. Like the quality of being a human. The oh, yes. Okay. It's That's so weird. Is that even a word? I don't know, but he said it like a hundred times during this interview about WorldCoin. So I was like, okay. If he wouldn't have said it fifty times in a row, I would never have like started making <laughs> trying to make a connection. But I was like, why is he so obsessed with this humanness? And I'm like, wait a minute, like what would be the opposite of humanness, like non-human? And then I'm like, oh my god, aliens! We're, like, all, we're also currently obsessed with like non-human entities, oh like in, being introduced into the public domain. So there was something just it was rubbing me a weird way weird. with that. So, anyways, maybe you, if you give your lowdown or whatever on Worldcoin. So, yeah, let's get into Worldcoin because I looked into it and. Is it here to save us from world government? Is it here to institute world government? It seems like we are playing both sides of the aisle, depending on who you talk to about WorldCoin. So, yes, Sam Altman, the founder, CEO of OpenAI, which brought you GPT, has co-founded this company with two other people, Alex Blania and... They are like the co-founders now. Um, there was a third person involved, but they left the company a while ago. So I think it started, they started working on it in 2019. And I think it went live in some sort of beta version in 2020. And then recently it went live uh, for this international launch. Uh, so it's launched to like 30 plus, 35 plus cities or something in 20 countries um, and I don't think it's available in the U.S. or China. Um, there's a couple countries where it's not available. Wait, the WorldCoin's already available? Yeah, it's available. It launched a couple days ago. I didn't know it was like full-fledged. Okay. Yeah, no, we're full-fledged. It's like this is breaking news. I mean, it's breaking. Like it happened this week, and it'll, this podcast will be coming out probably two weeks after it happened. So. Huh. So yeah, so um, so what is it? So it's this cryptocurrency, and I'll just read from the WorldCoin website. So when is this stated? This is uh, July 24th, 2023. This is when it launched uh, internationally, globally, whatever you want to say. 
The WorldCoin Foundation today announced that WorldCoin, a project co-founded by Sam Altman, Alex Blania, and the, the third person, his name is Max Novenstern, but he's not with them anymore, um, is now live and in production-grade state. The launch includes the release of the World ID SDK um, software development kit and plans to scale Orb operations to 35-plus cities across 20-plus countries around the world. In tandem, the foundation's subsidiary, World Assets LTD, uh, minted and released the WorldCoin token uh, to the millions of eligible people who participated in the beta, which has been going on for, like I said, a couple of years now. And the the token, the WorldCoin token, is now transactable on the blockchain. So, the orb, the orb. Okay. How do you sign up for this WorldCoin thing? Well. You have to scan your iris, your eye, on this orb thing. And the orb is like a silver bowling ball-sized literal orb that you look into and scan your eyeball into. And that's how you sign up. Is it bowling ball size? I, I yeah, it it's was bowling like ball size. Oh, wow. No, no, it's big. It's big as hell. Okay, that's interesting. And these things have been distributed all over the world. And so apparently you have to apply to like be an orb owner or whatever or manager. And then that's like a you fill out this application online and then you that you have to do an interview with the people at the company Worldcoin and uh, and then they send you the orb that you don't pay for this. And remember, this is a orb-sized piece of retina scanning technology that you don't pay for, you just apply for this company to send you. It's very strange. And proprietary, then you, right? Like totally proprietary. Like <laughs> no. So, so one of the like things about this orb that I was hearing is that they had to develop this from scratch because, and this is interesting, mm. but because they used this word um, entropy, so they would say mm. something like, I think the phrase was like, for example, your face scan like on your phone doesn't have Mm. enough entropy or your fingerprint doesn't have enough entropy and then they said maybe your palm print would and so what they mean by entropy is basically it's not um unique enough or something unique enough yeah yeah to the individual entropy is that but that's interesting right like so fingerprints aren't unique enough and neither is a face scan. Now, this makes sense to me because I watched a video recently where somebody got these cakes built. Uh, cakes? Again, a sh- what? Cake. Cake. Like eating cake at like cake. birthday cake? Yeah. <laughs> yes, actually, they were birthday cakes. And so they bought, and these were like $1,000 birthday cakes. This is like some kind of weird influencer challenge. So you buy, you buy, buy like $5,000 worth of birthday cakes. And they make them in your image based on a photo. And let's just say that even mm. for $1,100, this cake does not look anything like the person. It's <laughs> oh my God. unbelievable that you would <laughs> pay $1,000 and that this would be delivered to your house. And then you're supposed to be excited. Uh, however, all of the cakes opened the face ID on their iPhone. Oh, my God. Yeah. And these things well, do not look problem. like them. Yeah, not the cake thing. I didn't know about that, but I do know about like twins. Like that is a problem with Face ID. Like your twin can open your phone. You could just make a shitty cake that doesn't even look like you and it will open (laughs) your ID. Like it was 
crazy that this worked. Like I was like, wait a minute, I could make these cakes. It would, I mean, it would take me hours. But if I, if I got my hands in the phone of somebody really important or something that it was worth the time and effort or just worth a thousand dollars to have someone make a cake, I could just make the cake and scan the cake oh and then God. get all their bank information. I mean, it was just really strange. So That's anyway, crazy. so these, orbs, so they had though, to, de- they had to define this. Yeah. So they had to design yeah. this thing way high level and they claim that it's probably the most advanced retinal scanning technology outside oh of the secret military stuff that we don't even know about. That's what wow. they said. And they're just giving it out for free. So yeah. Right. So that's weird. And it's not just that they're giving it out for free. They're paying you. So you apply to become one of these orb operators, and then you get paid for signing people up, getting people to scan their retinas on this thing, which signs them up to be a part of the WorldCoin thing. So that's weird. Like, that's like, uh, gives me red flag warnings of like, Ponzi scheme, Ponzi scheme. So if I have a, so if I have the, if I'm an orb operator, does that mean that like, this is some kind of verification thing? So do I have an orb and then like I go around to people in the neighborhood and I'm like, hey, by the way, I'm an orb operator. So if you ever need to do world coin bullshit, you can just get your eye scanned at my place for like 10 bucks or like, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, that's like a, a more benign version. I think these people, the, the idea is that they're running operations like proactively trying to get people to sign up. It's not like, hey, if you want to sign up, I got the orb. It's like, hey, have you heard about WorldCoin? I'm going to like sign you up and screen your retina right now. It's going to be amazing. Right. <laughs> so, okay, so here's another thing. Though? What was that? Oh, What's ahead. the CEO's name? His name is Alex Balala. Balalina. Alex Blania and Sam Altman. Okay, do you have ChatGPT, by the way? I went to sign up for ChatGPT recently, and it was like, we want your phone number, and then I said, fuck you. Oh, I'm cussing I a lot. I do have ChatGPT, yes. Okay, ask it this question. Hold on. Where? I'm logging in. Because I'm using, I've been using another free AI, and it's not as robust. I mean, it did give me some pretty interesting results, I'll tell you about later. But uh, right. what are we asking it? I asked the I asked the AI that I was using, which is more of a intense search algorithm for like the internet kind of. It's like Super Google or something. I think it was called like Perplexity or something like that. And I asked it two questions. I said, "Where was Alex Blania born?" And the answer, unfortunately, there's no information on where this guy was born. Then I asked it, "How old is Alex Blania?" Then it said the same thing. Unfortunately, there are no search results for Alex Blania's age. Does ChatGPT know either of those questions? The answer to either of those questions. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, ChatGPT is full of crap most of the time. It yeah. just lies when it doesn't know. Well, no. No. It doesn't know the answers to either of those questions. Okay. But red that's flag. that's also the, um, yeah, red flag. Also, the open model so you have to pay or whatever or sign up to get the like gpt4 i'm using gpt 3.5 right now which is the publicly available one if you sign up but even well, that one doesn't have this alex blania guy started out as like not low level but like an engineer mm-hmm. now he's like the ceo he looks like he's younger than you and he sounds yes, like he has yes. a german all very young german yeah. or russian uh, I think accident. he is German because the company yeah. that found a world coin is this uh this German based company called Human Tools for Humanity. 
that's the the company that it was originally under or whatever. Yeah, so, so that's interesting. German, probably. And there's so there's no information on the CEO of somebody who's trying to take over the world currency system. Got it. Yeah, well, so okay, yeah. So this WorldCoin, okay, I'm going to read back from the worldcoin.org website. What is WorldCoin? WorldCoin is intended to be the world's largest, most inclusive identity and financial public utility owned by everyone. The WorldCoin protocol cons- uh, the WorldCoin protocol currently consists of one World ID a privacy-preserving digital identity designed to help solve important identity-based challenges, including providing an individual's unique personhood. Two, WorldCoin Token, where laws allow the first digital currency to be freely distributed to people for just being a unique human. And three, World App, the world's first ID-compatible app developed and operated by Tools for Humanity that enables payment purchases and transfers globally using digital assets and fiat-backed stablecoins. So we've got World ID, World Token, and World App, which is for payments. So ID, token, payments. Cryptocurrency, yeah, the, identity, pays, <laughs> payment. So obviously, unless these guys are enemies with Elon Musk, WorldCoin and x or x.com or twitter whatever are obviously going to merge or something this is just a prediction i'm making you heard it here first folks the date is 7 28 2023 okay but here's the first sentence and i wrote it down verbatim that sam altman said on this podcast that i listened to about world i listened to two about world coin this Was is this the first... one with lex friedman or no no he does one with lex friedman but okay this was with a podcast called, I think it was called Bankless or something like that. I don't oh, know. Okay. okay, whatever. But he Moving said, <laughs> he said they were like, hey, "What's the deal with the world coin and shit?" And this is what he said. Well, I was thinking about it. Okay, th- I'll tell you when I start his quote. But he kind of like mumbled. He's I don't like this guy. There's something wrong with him. But this is Sam. He Altman? like Sam Altman. He he seems like. There's something wrong with him. He's weird. Okay. He's an operative. One of my favorite things to do when I start getting skeptical, so I just like to look them up and look at their face and listen to how they talk, okay? And then see how they age. Because um, I think evil makes you age funny. So anyways. It's like the president. He's like, yeah, there's something weird. Like you come, you go in, you come out, you look a little different. Um, look at a before and after Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Okay, so it says... Uh, he he's like, well, I was thinking about it, and uh, quote, I thought it would be quite powerful. This is just a, the first sentence. I I just think of saying this sentence like, if this is the spawn of an idea, this is a weird thought to spawn an idea. Okay, this is not a altruistic thing <laughs> endeavor. Okay, he goes, I thought it would be quite powerful if you could have. The biggest network, like the biggest financial and identity network imaginable, you could have something truly global. That was the first sentence. That's that it? was, that was, oh. that was just. He was just saying like, why, why would be awesome? Yeah, like why would you? <laughs> so it's like, let me translate. Why did you? Th- How did you think of like uh, world this world coin idea? Well, I thought, what if I controlled the largest global 
identity network and oh, financial okay. network on the planet. What if I did that? That would be really powerful. That would be that would give me a lot of power. That's like I'm not not really decoding. That's almost verbatim. Yeah. That's a weird place to start a project <sighs> like like that's think of the level is the word hubris of just like over the top like that's like world takeover kind of thinking. Like yeah. what if I made the world's largest financial system an identity verification network. What if I did that? Right. And then he said, his next sentence was, I didn't really have any ideas on where to start. Like he literally, so he has no ideas. He just thought, wouldn't that be a cool? Oh my God. I wonder how I would do that. And then they started working on this thing. And I wonder how this stuff really gets started because I don't know. I, do, oh. I don't believe like origin stories and stuff usually. But mm. the the Alex Blania guy was talking about how they came up with this orb. And they said, he said it was really not fun. He said, because nothing, none of the technology out there was sufficient. Because the thing is, fingerprints might work in like a crime, you know, because the likelihood, it's not that fingerprints don't, like repeat basically that's not the theory mm-hmm. the theory is that they don't repeat enough that if i if you're a suspect in a crime you're near enough you have all those other pieces and then we find a print and then it matches yours like it's like that's a real strong connection not because you're the only person with the fingerprint that would find a match but because all these other circumstances plus a fingerprint. Right, exactly. Equal equal no. culpability. But so I what know he's saying in the is industry that, and it gets intense. But yeah, what was he saying? Yeah. So his idea his the so the whole theory on why they had to create why they dif- discovered that they had to create a new system is that the plan is to have everyone on the planet. Right. They want everyone the to get your eye scanned. Everyone on the globe scan on into the globe. this orb. It's crazy. Every person. It's, it's a wild proposition. Absolutely psychotic. I mean, it's psychotic. I don't even so know the what to other say. thing that I wanted to get to that they're planning is um, universal basic income. That's another yes, thing. That's that these the people main. Want. It's like it's like the second point that they. It's like he says, "I want to control everything on the planet that has to do with identity and finance." Also, here's a selling point for you. I'll give you money. Right, so that's how they're getting people to sign up. So they've gone and said, okay, sign up for this orb, scan your retina. And it's like, well, what's in it for me? And they're like, well, you'll get this really easy way to transact that's not controlled by a government, quote unquote. I mean, that's what they're saying. Um, And then you'll get universal basic income where laws allow, quote unquote, it says where laws allow. And the United States, I guess that's a little contentious. But in other countries, so this is the other thing. They've gone around for a while now. They have like 2 million users apparently already. 2 million people have scanned their retinas on these orbs. It's mind-boggling. Is, now, is the is WorldCoin a cryptocurrency? Like, is there a mm-hmm. coin called WorldCoin? That's what they're talking about. So it's the ID, your ID, and then the token, the WorldCoin cryptocurrency token, and then it's the the payment, a bit, the payment network, which is an application on like your phone or your laptop or whatever so that's what it is those three things and um so they went around there's this really interesting mit article so they've been going around in beta before it launched recently uh to like get people signed up and whatnot 
And so this MIT technology review article is titled, Deception, Exploited Workers, and Cash Handouts, How WorldCoin Recruited Its First Half a Million Test Users. That's the title of the article. Um, Thank you, MIT, for once. Yeah, it's just very interesting. And then they go into detail. I could read some of this. They essentially went to, like, rural third world parts of the country. Um, of course. And of then, the U.S. or no, the world? No, not in the U.S. Way, mm. Yeah, like other countries. Rural, um, rural. Yeah, so they said, uh, it starts, On a sunny morning last December, Ayus Ruswandi, a 35-year-old furniture maker in the village of Gunungguru, Indonesia, was woken up uh, early by his mother. A technology company was holding some kind of social assistance giveaway at the local Islamic elementary school. (laughs) Military school, wow, that was a Freudian slip. Um, The local Islamic (laughs) elementary school, she said, and she urged him to go. Um, Ruswandi joined a long line of residents, mostly women, some of whom had been waiting since 6 a.m. In the pandemic-battered economy, any kind of assistance was welcome. At the front of the line, representatives of WorldCoin Indonesia were collecting emails and phone numbers or aiming a futuristic metal orb at villagers' faces to scan their irises and other biometric data. Village officials were also on site, passing out numbered tickets to the waiting residents to help keep order. Um, Ruswandi asked a WorldCoin representative what charity this was, uh, but learned nothing new. As his mother said, they were giving away money. So, essentially, WorldCoin representatives were showing up for a day or two and collecting biometric data. In return, they were known to offer everything from free cash, often local currency, as well as WorldCoin tokens, to AirPods, to promises of future wealth. In some cases, they also made payments to local government officials. What they were not providing was much information on their real intentions. Now, that's, I'm just reading from the article. This is MIT. I don't know what's going on. But these people talk to, at MIT, they talk to over 35 individuals from Indonesia, Kenya, Sudan, Ghana, Chile, and Norway, all of who uh, either worked on behalf of WorldCoin or had been scanned or were unsuccessfully recruited to participate. So it's just very interesting. Like... If it's so awesome, why do you have to pay people to operate the orbs? And why are you going to third world countries where people are very poor and needy and then having you give them their identity biometric data and promising them money? It just seems very weird. Like, what the hell? Here's They admitted it on this podcast I listened to. So not only do they keep using the term solving the problem of verified humanness but they also kept using this phrase which apparently is if you're kind of high level crypto type of person not just like a dabbler but someone who's maybe involved in creating them they kept saying uh using this phrase overcoming social resistance or something like that that apparently Mm -hmm. it's a big block for new currency ideas, cryptocurrency ideas, because mm, yeah, 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 because people don't like it. People are like, like, like they these people at WorldCoin know and admit there's a lot of social resistance. People were really turned off by the whole uh, like dystopian orb eye scanning, <laughs> yeah, of course, world currency thing. They're just like not into that. 
So that answers all the questions. Why did they go to third world countries or like crazy, like mm. rando countries when you're trying to like you could, so that's how we're going to launch. That's the only way we can get over the social resistance. We've got to talk to the people who need the money the most. Yes. Conf- mm, yeah. Conf- like like scam Take people advantage basically. of their situation. Yeah. And as we've known forever. If the product is free, you're the product. This is a fur this is a step this is one step beyond that. This is if if someone's paying you to take the product, then you really better start asking yourself what the product is. Yeah, what is all of this? Usually usually when someone says I'll pay you to take this something not good is happening. You Usually you're being asked to hold something that's going to get you in trouble, that's illegal, that, oh my God. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But in this case, I think what it is, is exactly what it looks like. I mean, the lines, it's not even blurry. This guy wants to take over the financial world, the identity verification world on a global scale so he goes around the world admitting freely that people are skeptical of this because it sounds like a dystopian nightmare that gives all the power in the world to a company that is freaking people out. So he goes to places that probably don't watch TV. All the people in line apparently tend, as you just pointed out, to be women probably because these are places where all the men are working probably in sandals in uh, highly... Labor intensive conditions. Yeah. conditions. I, I watched the TikToks, uh, you know, making smelting cast iron pans in their backyard in a pit of sand with no shoes on and uh, said, we'll just give you this. We'll give you technology that may or may not be superior to military ident- uh, facial recognition technology. We'll give you that, which is probably worth $10,000. Then we'll give you money, whatever you want. You want AirPods, you want iPhone, what do you want? We'll give it to you. We'll just give you that. This is, it It doesn't require much digging to figure yeah. out, well, what are they up to here? They're up to getting people onto a system that otherwise would be rejected. It's They call it social resistance. People don't want it. Right. Well, to the social resistance point too, I mean- it's like a currency that doesn't have any value. It's like not endorsed. It's not usable. It's kind of the same thing like when they tried to, you know, get Bitcoin to take up. It's like, well, is it, what value does this offer to me? And it's like, well, it will have value in the future. And then they had this sheet I saw that WorldCoin had produced that they were showing to people or like it was like a talk track in the countries where they were trying to get people to sign up. And one of the things that they explained was like, how does this have value or whatever? And I don't remember what the question was, but they were saying, well, uh, it network effects like the more people that use this the more valuable it's going to become and the more valuable the currency is going to become and i was like yeah it's that's literally just not true like that's not how currencies work that the more uses you have like the network effect makes the currency functional not valuable well this is the thing too about these currencies is like we still even people who claim to be bitcoin maximalists or whatever we're like bitcoin isn't like a asset it's a money you know it should be the new currency mm-hmm. they still prove to you that the bitcoin is worth something by comparing it to f- actual 
other currencies. So how do I know that Bitcoin's worth purchasing or worth getting into? Because one Bitcoin is worth X amount of US dollars. That's how you know, because it's actually worth another kind of money. That's it's so it's all right. And what they were saying, there's a transition that's going to be required here. Yeah, the network effect, like the the more widely used the currency is or whatever, I'm like, that would make the currency less valuable. That's like inflation. Like the more of the money that you print, the less valuable it is, not more valuable. Like it's actually well, more valuable the more limited it is. So I was like, this whole thing makes no sense. There's so many like flaws in their reasoning. There's something really interesting about it. So like you think of like the the franc or the franc or whatever people used the to franc. call them. The franc, the French currency that they used to have. They don't have that. All these other, all these European countries that are now on the uh, EU, what do they call it? The euro. Yeah. So what is that? So what happened was we did away with other currencies and replaced it with a euro. That's like a trial. And so what did that Mm. do exactly? That made the value of... Uh, let's call it a token, a something, a coin, a pay, a dollar, um, a mark, a franc, whatever thing you have that represents number one, like one, mm-hmm. is one in France, it's one in Germany, it's one in whatever country yeah, yeah, is yeah. on the euro standard. So there, there is something interesting to consider, I think, when you think about a global currency. Because what is it that makes so? When I was looking at uh, buying some machinery, I think we talked. No, we we took all that out. But I was I got hyped up on Alibaba for a minute. Remember, and we took all that out. But mm. basically, <laughs> you can so like Alibaba is like Chinese Amazon, yes, the Amazon of Asia, and or I guess of what is that East Asia? The, uh, it's not China. important. Anyway, Let's call it. Okay, it's China. Keep going. <laughs> so. You can go on there as an American and buy stuff denominated in U.S. dollars, and it's cheaper. But because why exactly? So, so there's a mechanism within the current system that we have that allows me to purchase Chinese goods literally from China for U.S. dollars. So I'm still using the currency that I would always use that's valued at the same that I would use anywhere in America. So I can buy, let's say I, I'm going to buy a wood chipper. I can buy mm-hmm. a wood chipper mm-hmm. here with American dollars. Or I can buy a wood chipper from China for American dollars. But the wood chipper from China in American dollars is cheaper because everything in China is cheaper, the labor and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But I can still, and so there's some kind of conversion right. happening. Right, exchange rates. Now, you might think, and I don't know, maybe you know, that there's some kind of regulatory agency, maybe it's a corporation, maybe it's, I don't know, but that's facilitating that exchange right. the of Forex currency. exchange, yeah. So you, you might, if you're Sam Altman, I haven't heard them making this point, so maybe it's not a good point, but it seems like one way of selling this would be to say, see kind of like credit card companies, like everything's run through the SWIFT system. Everything's uh, a lot of thing, a lot of powers in the hands of like Visa and MasterCard and these kind of conglomerates that you don't really think about them having a lot of power. But when you realize there's only like a couple options, you realize they mm-hmm. do have a ton of power. 
Yeah, Does yeah. this kind of solve that problem? They're not talking about it as if it solves that problem. And probably the reason they're not talking about it as if it solves this problem is because they're just another, they actually want to be even more exclusive than those companies are. But there is an interesting question. What happens if the whole world were on a single currency that was yeah. like, what if everybody used euro? Does that well, actually so- make the purchase from America more economical than the purchase from China? Or does labor still stay cheap in China, even though we're using the same currency? You know what I mean? Like there's a weird, yeah. there's some weird well, phenomenon lingering so, in this whole conversation. Yeah. One of the things they've actually studied this in economics, they call, there's a line of research called like optimal currency areas or something. And the question is this, which is what is the optimal area, like geographic area for a currency to be traded in. And so their kind of question was, like, should the United States have a currency? Should every state have its own currency? Should every country in Europe have its own currency? Should the European Union have a currency? Should the whole continent of Africa have one currency? You know, it's like, what's the optimal area for there to be one currency? And, um, well, they specifically, I don't remember if they figured out what the, the optimum is. I think the question is not like that there's one answer, but that there's a, a method you could figure out, like think about how to arrive at that answer depending on the situation. And they were analyzing the European Union, and they said the European Union was actually larger than the optimal area for uh, currency. That was the finding from the research. And, um, and, and then partly, you did have Brexit, right? And then didn't they go back to their own currency? Yes, they went back to great then, uh, GBP, uh, British pound sterling. And for a minute, that was doing really well. Was I don't know how, what's going on. I mean, the whole world's in freaking yeah, it was chaos doing better than the euro. Point, but it was doing better than the euro for a good time there, and probably until it got co-opted. I don't know what the status is well, now. I but think that's that's interesting. Yeah, COVID had a huge hit because of you know all the stuff that happened during COVID. Printing you know, money I think and dead and blah blah blah. But a part of this must be that like imagine like you just imagine like some of these places in America, like what if Texas came with their own currency? I bet pretty quickly that currency would be worth a lot of money because there's a lot. What is it that would do that? I think it's that people, one major factor is that there's something to the geography, the geographic boundary and what what that does to the psychology of somebody. So people from Texas, I don't know if you ever met these fools, not the people from Austin. I mean, Austin could have its own currency because they're weird and they love austin then texas loves texas if they you know it's something yeah yeah so and if and they're so big too that they could have this currency do economic activity within texas that's good for texas sell out to other places and bolster their own currency well, that's for their exactly own the point. benefit right that's what i wanted to make the point is like so one of the consequences of changing the geographic area where the currency is used is that it approximates the economic activity in the area. So the larger the area, essentially like the currency is some sort of like average of the, you know, whatever the economic unit is. You know, the currency is like the economic unit of that area. So you're so, it's sort of like an average. And so what happens is it brings the top performers down and the bottom performers up. So if what, what happened? What does that? The, the having a standardized currency. So this is what happened with the EU. It's like, what happened oh, when see. those countries switched to the EU? Countries like Germany were hurt because if they They're had so stayed awesome. with their currency, it right. would have been worth more and they could have 
bought more goods, their currency would have had what we call higher purchasing power. And then other countries that had you know, worse economic conditions like Spain, they were helped by having the euro because their country would not have had as much economic activity. It was not doing as well. Their country wouldn't, or currency wouldn't have been worth as much. But the euro, because it's the average of all these countries, it kind of lifted them up. And so this is why it's been contentious. This is why people have wanted to leave the European Union. And it's really the countries that would have been better off without it that want to leave. And the countries it's that always don't Germany. want to leave yeah, are the Germany ones who aren't doing America, well. Just, Germany is America on the other side of the world. <laughs> people don't want to oh, accept God. that. But yeah, so it's super interesting. Um, So if you think about like a world currency, that would be literally a radical form of equity. Like it would bring systems into alignment and equate things that are literally not equal on a local level. They did keep saying redistribution in this podcast. They kept mentioning like a redistribution which obviously folds directly into another of one of their major points, which is like they it is like intrinsically linked in their minds at WorldCoin to universal basic income and the redistribution of wealth. So oh, I wow. find that to be really weird, which I don't know what the obsession with that is all about other than people people. It's like it's like the last stitch effort, like the talking about UBI in my mind doesn't represent progress. It represents the last stitch effort for for not even like a, it's not a solution. It's like a last hurrah, like one final party before the world ends. Oh you know, God. like, let's take the money and just give some of the money to other people. It's not like so that's so that's like the world coin world currency mm-hmm. idea, whereas the opposite idea would be like, let's let's localize currency and make Texas have its own currency the the tex you know or whatever oh, and that, that that's a good what point. that would do is actually increase the value of everybody's money it's kind of the idea of like bring manufacturing home well if we do that then manufactured goods will cost a lot more but it's like yeah but if you do that over time your your economy is bolstered your dollar will right, become a local more economy will be Everything will do you, you. You may pay is, more for stuff, but you'll do better. Right, you'll, which is how the U.S. became a superpower was all the manufacturing that was happening in the United States. So, yeah, to argue for localization in the United States, I don't even think is a radical proposition. It's kind of crazy and, that yeah. people have to make arguments for that. You're like, well, how did the United States even become the global superpower that it was? It was like because we were doing so much manufacturing here. And if it costs too much, if the manufacturing is too expensive, then what happens is it puts pressure on the industry to create competition and innovation to lower the prices. And sometimes that's been done. And Americans used to be really good at this. If you lowered the quality, Harley Davidson's used to be so expensive and people used to pride themselves in being able to afford one and Mm -hmm. buying one because they were literally made of American steel. And people were like, yeah, you can buy another motorcycle that looks like a Harley, but it's not made of American steel. It's some Chinese crap. It's not even the same quality. I think Japanese in that case. Yeah, and I think there's opportunities for monopolies, but, and the Japanese did do, they do cars well. They did the Henry Ford thing. Mm -hmm, Like that's, mm -hmm. that was what they did. And they just wanted to make it even more affordable. The Toyota. And they did it. The Toyota. I mean, Toyota and America, I mean, Americans know this too about, like, if you can impress people with quality, people in the world of pickup trucks, people think it's like, Ford, Chevy, Dodge, who's the best? Everybody knows the best is a Toyota. That's the best truck. 
they don't make the biggest truck, but for for tit for tat or whatever the right term there is, you want a Toyota because they just run forever. That's so if you can impress an American in that way, they'll go, okay. Because of course Japan's going to make. If we're going to make Ford, they're going to make Toyota. What's the problem? If there's going to be international trade, that's fine. We're in such an imbalance, though. We're like we don't manufacture stuff here. So there was a company that used that was interested in making a cell phone that was like not like satanic, and they did this interview that I listened to one time. And basically, what they said was, "We literally in America cannot do it." We do not actually have the capacity to make an American-made phone. That's how shit our manufacturing sector is. You mm. cannot. There are literally no factories that can do it. That you, there's not enough factories even to get individual parts. They can do this piece or that piece, but in total, they cannot do it. Sure, it's not yeah. even. Well, and they were saying they were saying it's not that it's too expensive. That was a, sometimes an issue. They were saying we literally physically. It is not possible. And that's a creepy place to be in if you think about it. Like, oh, what? Yeah, yeah. You can't even make stuff? Like, we're, um, this is, you want to be like, this is America. What are you talking about? We can do whatever, we can do anything. <laughs> no, we can't make a cell phone. We can't do it. <laughs> we can do anything. Um, Same thing yeah. with razors is that way. Like, the reason the razor market is so weird is because manufacturing razor blades is really, really difficult. And there's not that many people that can actually manufacture a razor blade. Right, right. It's very specialized manufacturing. Well, very to your point, back to what you're saying about like universal basic income being sort of like a, it addresses the symptom, but it doesn't fix the problem because I think more properly we need to empower economic mobility for people. It's like how do we provide people the opportunities for them to lift themselves out of poverty? Like how do we remove the barriers that are keeping people down and in poverty and in this rigid economic caste system that seems to have taken hold in certain areas of the world. And it's like universal basic income is not the solution to that. That's literally just a solution to the symptom. It's like, well, you're in you know, dire straits, so well, we'll give you some money. But that doesn't remove any of the economic barriers that were preventing you from obtaining money. So in the long run, you're worse off. Right, exactly. And we know that. I mean, you give people money. They've done these studies. I mean, economists do this all the time. It's like, how can we help poor people? And giving them money does not help. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it and just people doesn't. will say, yeah. That, it like, sucks because you'd think it, and thing, it would but. helps. The truth of the matter is that's not intuitive to some people. And I get that. Like, I want money. I want somebody to give me money. Of course, I want to win the lottery. I, I believe that if I won $50,000 on a scratch off, my life would change inexorably. The trajectory of my life would change. And I think that's true for some people. For a lot of people, probably. And I think, yeah. I think it's true for me, but I don't think it's true for everybody because no, it just couldn't no. be. It just couldn't be. So there, that notion that people of people that like really want to hold on to that idea that like, no, a redistribution of all this money would help. It's like, yeah, it would help some yes. people, but in, yes. the, in aggregate, it wouldn't do what you think it's going to do. It doesn't turn 50 million people in poverty into entrepreneurs. No, into I like mean, it's literally that old adage that. of like giving a man a fish versus teaching a man to fish. It's like, we've known that, I mean, like, come on. Get it together. Exactly. Like, get exactly. it together. When did you, when were you taught that? Third grade? Like, come on. 
So anyway, exactly. aside from that, I wanted to tie back to the World Economic Forum, our favorite topic on this podcast, the WEF. Are they going to control the world? Are they going to kill us all? Are they going to make us own nothing? Who knows? I was trying to find out more about the dubious connections of WorldCoin to the World Economic Forum. Are they connected? The weird thing. This is a weird thing. This is a conspiracy. So get your conspiracy hats out because if you look this up, at least so far, there are no explicit articles really tying, at least in major outlets or anything. Like you can maybe find some like very fringe things where people are just kind of speculating. But there are no major outlets saying anything about the WEF's connection to WorldCoin. And I find this very interesting because Why? Sam Altman, the CEO of WorldCoin, or one of the co-founders and co-CEOs or whatever the hell they are, is a member of the WEF. And oh. the WEF is has the same goals, ironically, as WorldCoin. So this is from the WEF's page. I will read. So this is the World Economic Forum website, Digital Currency Governance Consortium. And they have a background, and then they have uh, phase one and phase two. And uh, so phase one, what was phase one? Over the course of 2020 and 2021, the forum convened the Digital Currency Governance Consortium around a series of virtual workshops and roundtables to address key questions and governance gaps in digital currency. The first phase centered on the discussion of the development of relevant and timely global frameworks for digital currency governance that benefit from multi-sector input and co-design. Blah, 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 blah. Okay, that's done. Phase two, what's happening now? This is ongoing. The consortium aims to inform a responsible entry of digital currencies into the global monetary system. Right, read it again. The Digital Currency Governance Consortium aims to inform a responsible entry of digital currencies into the global monetary system. Blinking white man. How is that not connected to WorldCoin? It just... It's core it's shocking. every the coincidence. Every just, every crypto, wow. every crypto wants this, and I, for the life of me, cannot understand how everybody misses this. There's like a million different coins, a million different arguments for how this one's better and that one's satanic and this one's good and this one wants to control the world and this one wants you to be free. And it's like, look, just last week, it rained here for 45 seconds okay fine 15 minutes half the city didn't have power for a week because wind oh wow if you have a digital fucking currency you cannot buy things when the wind blows too hard yeah well if the power of the internet goes down yeah, that's it's a problem. A, it's it's well known in every sector of the world in economics, whatever. It's called it's a why we need single uh, point of failure. Elon Musk uh, satellite uh, internet or whatever. No, the reason we need Elon Musk satellite oh my bullshit. God, you've got to stop moving your mic around. The reason we need <laughs> Elon Musk satellite bullshit is because this thing is getting implemented in the middle of the fucking jungle in Indonesia. 
That's where it's starting. How do you think that's going to work? Oh, well, we need that. I was just thinking, you know, the internet, you know, we got to keep the internet up or whatever. So, you know, the Starlink or whatever is going to help us do that. Um, oh, yeah. Is it going to help you when the wind blows too hard and you can't even plug your orb in? Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. That's why we got the batteries. He's working on the batteries, too. So, yeah. Oh, they're the also EV, working the on solar outlawing batteries. Yeah, well, let's make sure we outlaw generators as well and uh, natural gas and uh, other sources of physically tangible, actual burnable fuel sources. Let's make sure we can't use those. Either. That should be illegal. I bet that's also a goal of the World Economic Forum. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> yeah, we need to get rid of all of that. So anyway, so they say their work is focused on three things. Um, one, macroeconomic impact. Um, okay, interesting. Okay. Two, regulatory best practices, which is interesting because... And vague. Yeah. And then three, central bank digital currency dialogues. Um, huh. So, I don't know. I'm drawing a, uh, you know, conclusion here. I'm reading in between the lines. Um it's very I'm just reading the lines. It sounds that, really bad, just right as it's written. Just this stuff pretty sounds much. very similar to WorldCoin. <laughs> I also found this one article that I will read from. So this is another article um, from some Indian outlet. This is the only one I could find that was like, WEF linked WorldCoin CEO. So that he linked the CEO, Sam Altman, to WEF, which is true. Sam Altman is a member of the World Economic Forum. Um, but uh, so this is interesting. I'm just going to read from this article. It made some weird claims. Uh, Alex Blania, CEO of WorldCoin. I guess he's the CEO. Sam Altman is just the co-founder. I don't know how it works. Yeah, he's also 15 years old. And, and also, you can't figure out where he's from, how old he is. You can't find basic information about him on the internet. But yeah, this should be fine. Go on. Normal for a company of global uh, stature. Yeah, glo- normal for people taking over the world. Absolutely. Right, right. Um, so it says, blah, blah, blah. Alex Blania has threatened humanity by declaring that the elites are going to roll out a global form of ID, quote, whether you like it or not, end quote. It's a weird thing to say. Um, WorldCoin was co-founded by Sam Altman, who well, we already talked about. Um, it says the AI mogul, Sam Altman, uh, it claims in this article that he was a protege of Klaus Schwab, uh, interesting, and has previously stated that he intends to, quote, unquote, break capitalism by making more efficient allocation of resources. Um, I thought that was the whole point of capitalism. So that's Oh, literally, weird. literally, you're going to break capitalism by doing capitalism? Like that sentence doesn't make sense. Yeah, so then here we go. So Blania has also explicitly linked the goals of WorldCoin to WF, WEF's Agenda 2030. So this is what I was saying is there's very spurious, cor- not spurious, uh, very clear correlations between what, WorldCoin is doing and what WF is doing, even though it doesn't seem to be like the WF is coming out saying, we are doing WorldCoin. That's um, like when people at the CDC and FDA are like, we're regulating Big Pharma. Also, yesterday I was the CEO of Big Pharma. Right, no connection. Exactly. Yeah, no connection. No I just connection. sit on the board of both companies. It's fine. I, so according to Alex Blania, WorldCoin, quote, started with a discussion that universal basic income will eventually be something that is very important to the world. 
Coincidentally, Why? WEF thinks that UBI would solve inequality problems in the world. End quote. Why? How? Where? How? I don't understand. So that's what we just talked about. So I'm just telling okay. you, there's evidence to link them. It's not very explicit. It's kind of hard to find, but there's stuff out there, and I don't know what it means because is is this going to end the world? What's going on? Yes, it is. Where? Listen. I mean, answer. <laughs> listen. Where does... Literally, I'm asking like mainstream question here. Where does the money for universal basic income come from? What's the theory? Exactly. Is it exactly. from taxes? Is that where it comes from? Is it like I don't understand? I don't know. So if if because if it comes through like the system that we understand, taking from the rich, giving to the poor, I'm poor. I need the money to do life things. So I take the money I just got and then I give it right back to BlackRock who owns my apartment complex in downtown Austin and I give it right back to them. Is that how that it works? That sounds right. I'm yeah, just, I think so, yeah. So <laughs> I'm just, where? how does that, what's the solution? I don't even know what problem we're trying to fix. No, well, this <laughs> like, is the crazy like, thing too about the, so they've come out, like you can watch this. I saw a video of a guy talking at the World Economic Forum and he was like, now, some people think this is a bad idea and it's kind of dystopian, but I think it's a good thing. And he was like that when we have if, when, whatever the hell he said, when we have global currency, he's like, we'll be able to, you know, decide what people can and can't buy. And I was like, oh, exactly. Just, just write out. Just say it. OK, the world you can have for and just saying it. And it's like, who said that? This, I'll have to find the clip. But OK. Important. I'll find it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so he said that it was very shocking. And uh, that's the thing I worry about. It's like, because like what you're saying is like, okay, so say we do have universal basic income, but the pro, so, okay, they're giving you, say it's monthly, every sum allotment or whatever. So you can afford to do your things. But that really, really starts to look like what you said, a form of financial slavery. Because if you if the person who owns that system of payment or whatever says, well, you can only purchase these sorts of things and there's no system that you can engage in outside of this, it's really about control. It's not about freedom. It's not about, oh, we're giving you the freedom to make economic, you know, we're giving you economic freedom. We're lifting you out of poverty. It's not that at all. What essentially it is is it's making you more dependent on the global currency system or whatever, more dependent on them because they can decide what you can and can't buy and you don't have a means for income outside of that, a means to meet your needs outside of that. So, yeah, it is very scary. What do you think? What are you looking for? I'm looking at something that... Well, I mentioned Elon Musk, so I was just looking at this connection of Elon Musk. Apparently, there were very, very strong links between the two um sam altman and elon musk yeah i mean well he was one of the biggest founders i think he was the biggest founder in OpenAI at the beginning actually which is his other company altman's other company yeah, i also I wanted to so read it's this. like are they on the same page or are they like feuding it's really difficult to even tell it looks like yeah so this is a quote just to iterate provide evidence like how do we know that digital currencies and banks, like this is a bad idea? So this is Anthony C. Sutton from, uh, I guess, a book called 
the Federal Reserve Conspiracy, published in 1995. And the quote reads, If the American people ever allow the banks to control the issuance of their currency, first by inflation and then by deflation, the banks and corporations that will grow up around them will deprive the people of all property until their children will wake up homeless on the continent their fathers occupied. The issuing power of money should be taken from the banks and restored to Congress and the people to whom it belongs. I sincerely believe the banking institutions are more dangerous to liberty than standing armies. Yeah, did you know that just just to say what you said is considered anti-Semitic? What? Yeah, I heard that recently, that if you criticize the banking powers, then you're criticizing Jews, which is a really strange admission. That's very weird. (laughs) What? But, yeah, I think, I mean, I think that that, because of the slow way that we've done this whole transition to even the currency we have today, like moving off the gold standard, moving off of private banks and, you know, moving to a federal reserve currency and all this, you know, it's, we've seen, I believe that that has done more harm than good throughout, throughout time. And it's been disguised through certain things like cheap goods that you can afford that are luxury items down to the poorest of us. Like homeless people have iPhones, you know what I mean? So we've been like almost tranquilized by the system and been moved ever so slowly into where we are now. And people, as people constantly are saying, Maybe they've always said this, but it seems more true now than ever. But the people are recognizing something's wrong. It's almost like we were made a promise that's never materialized. No, Nobody even knows if in a few short years, if the currency that we have now will be worth anything. Now, mm, if the banks yeah. control everything, which they do, as far as financing and money is concerned, and they can't get a grip on inflation, so we're told... They're just like the best economic minds on the uni- in the universe can't figure out how to do economics. You might begin to think, especially when the World Economic Forum, these AI companies, billionaires and millionaires uh, all over the world are floating the idea continuously, very serious idea of digital currencies, then, well, it makes the inflation problem and the financial strife that we find ourselves in currently look like yet again for all you coincidence theorists out there what a coincidence yeah they release ai which they've had you think they just just a couple days ago invented the most powerful computational system in the world uh, they invented it a few days ago, and then they just gave it away for basically nothing to everybody. That does that's not that's not what happened, but I do believe the AI model that they claim to be so surprised by we can't even believe it worked. Wow, it's so impressive. Whoa, that that's getting in- introduced not only at the same time that these cryptocurrencies are gaining, but by the same company. Or the same person, at least, yeah. The person is in charge of both companies, yeah. Well, so I want to go back to, before we continue, uh, to talk about that 
thing I said a second ago. So that the person who said the thing about, oh, the global currencies, CDB, CBDCs, central bank digital currencies are going to help us control what you buy, that was um, Eswar Prasad, an economics professor at Cornell University, speaking at a June World Economic Forum event in China last month. Um, you know, World Economic Forum, same people who published that article, by the way, that they retracted the headline for because people read it and were like, wait a minute, this doesn't seem right. And they're like, oops, wrong headline. But the article was titled, basically, you'll own nothing and be happy was like in the title. This is this is what they're talking about. Oh, my God. Yeah. So he said. Uh, One final note I will uh, make is that if you think about the benefits of digital money, there are huge potential gains. It's not just about uh, digital forms of physical currency. You can have programmability, you know, um, units of central bank currency with expiry dates. You could have, as I argue in my book, a potentially better, and yeah, some people might see it, or a darker world where the government decides that units of central bank money can be used to purchase some things, but not other things that it deems less desirable, like, say, ammunition or drugs or pornography or something of the sort. And that is very powerful. What? <sighs> Communitarian. Yeah, exactly. The, okay, look. So... What the fuck? I can't understand literally what's wrong with these people. Like, what is wrong with that person? Does that person that's ma- that said that quote, like, there's, I, if, say, if that was said to my face, I would just stare at that person and wait for them to say something else because there's no way. You know, sometimes you have a bad idea and then you say it and you're like, holy shit, that was stupid. Why did I say that? <laughs> That's the kind of statement that I feel like requires that follow up. Like, wait a minute. I can't believe I just said that. I think the government, like the government should be able to control what I buy. You, this, people don't understand how the people world need to wake works. Up. <laughs> people need to wake the fuck up. This is not the world you want to live in, oh people. If you I I have more cash most of the time in my wallet than I have in the bank. And I like it that way. The only reason I use bank transfer stuff is for purchases for things that aren't close to me outside of the state. There's companies that sell things that I can't sure, get. Sure, yeah. Okay, it's so simple. If the, if all the transactions are digital, then all the transactions are trackable. If all the transitions or transactions are trackable and they're paired with the most advanced identification system on the face of the planet, this is a complete and utter globalist takeover of a totalitarian track and trace society where you can do nothing that isn't witnessed and people have somehow just forgotten how fucked up of an idea social credit scores are. Do you not think that the government is going to decide what you can and can't buy based... What do you think they're basing that on? Well, so this is what, so interesting. Why would they stop you from buying something? Sure, yeah. There's a there metric too. there. There's a metric there. Even if there's not a metric, 
It's literally, this is what the government, this is what these people are asking for. We would like to require every human being to have a microphone and a camera in every room in their house. Right, right. We want to know about all your transactions and interactions with other people. Well, so that's interesting because they bring this up, you know, like I think it's very clear how you can see like the blockchain is like literally a record or whatever. So it's like everything is recorded. It can't be edited. It's immutable. Like it's So a bad it's like system. literally a record of transactions that can't be changed. But then people will make these arguments like, well, it's decentralized, so it's better than global control or whatever. And they'll say it's anonymous. We're actually, it's privacy enhancing. Decentralization in the world of technology, it means nothing. It just means nothing. It means nothing. What does that even mean? How is that a solution? It's decentralized. And? And what? That makes me feel better. Oh, it's not on one computer. It's on a lot of computers. Okay. Well, the idea would be that no one's in control of the money supply. That's the argument, I think. That's that just central banks can't inflate and deflate your currency. But um, bullshit. I yeah, I don't know. So I think the way it works is like someone. I I mean, because someone can write the parameters of the currency, and that's the problem. That's why people will talk about how Bitcoin is different than other cryptocurrencies because the other cryptocurrencies say ones have been created by Facebook. Um, I can't remember the name, like Lira or no, it's not Lira, but they had one. But anyway, they created one and um, well, they can, Facebook can control how many currency units there are because they created it. They're the owners of it. And other people have to agree to how many, like the parameters of the system when they use it and transact with that currency. Um, so they were like, well, Bitcoin, people will make this argument. Bitcoin is different because the owner, we don't know who it is, and no one's manipulating the parameters. And I'm like, but someone did create it. Like, So in theory, someone does have control over how many units of the currency exist because that's the problem with the other ones is that the people who create it can control the number of currencies. I understand that in order to use it, you have to agree to the parameters of the system, but someone still has access to that. You know, I don't know who they are. Maybe no one knows. Maybe it's secret, but... In theory, in principle, it's possible. So that's the thing I don't understand about the decentralization. I'm like, well, whoever creates the system, like someone has control over the parameters of that system. So I don't know. And maybe I don't I don't know enough about. No, because if you decentralize it, like the decentralization aspect is completely meaningless in a world where they've simultaneously introduced artificial this, these AI computing systems because those AI computing systems can just grab all the information. They can run the statistical analysis and figure out whatever they need to figure out. It's like the decentralized aspect of it, in my mind, solves nothing in that world. Well, then people will say people will say things like, well, it won't be... We won't know who it is or whatever. But I'm like, but you have a unique identity. So it doesn't matter if they know who you are. They know that X person, X agent on the system did something that system doesn't allow. That person is not allowed to do that. Denied. So it's like, and it's going to be unique. It's like we literally can target it toward you specifically because you have a unique identity. And maybe we can't literally. tie that to your personhood like in the analog world. But digitally, it doesn't matter because everything's going to be digital. So... 
It's your digital identity. It doesn't matter what your fucking name is. Right. If it all payments matter. are online, it doesn't matter if we can tie this to your analog, real person, corporeal form. It's like, well, we, it, we don't need to do that because we can control you online, which is where everything is happening now. Right. So that's the yeah. final, that's the final takeaway is that they have the systems to figure that out. That's the whole premise of the entire thing. It's, it's just, this world coin is currency coupled with identity. That's, that's their main point. That's what it is. They developed a literal proprietary technology and orb that you stare into and it's literally like we're gonna scan everyone on it's mark of the beast level stuff and people will say like well they used to think credit cards and debit cards were mark of the beast yes exactly it's like the next iteration the next iteration the next you couldn't make the transition without all those prior transitions Mm. Mm -hmm. so it's all always been this and people used to get by just fine without all this control and that's what they want is full total information awareness that's literally what they want and this doesn't this is not outside this is not disconnected from like all these smart tvs smart refrigerators smart appliances your smart air conditioning shit i mean all of this is the same stuff and why wouldn't you have the option to put a chip in your hand i mean like all of it, it this is not going anywhere. But it's going to make us safe. It's going to make things better. They're going to stop the criminals. They're going to stop the bad people. This is a really scary... It's really scary. And as Yoval Noah Harari pointed out, with the AI stuff, we're moving into a world that really is fundamentally quite different. He He put it in a really interesting way. So if you think of like just simple things like music, art, literature, ideas. These are cultural artifacts in a way. Creative enterprises. That we've created, people have created. We're moving to a world now where non-humans have the potential to create ideas, music, art, cultural artifacts. And we have mm. no idea what that is going to look like, what that means, really means for mm. us going forward. And I think all of this AI shit, digital currency shit, track and trace shit, it's all a really big mistake. And I don't, I don't think that because of who's in control right now, who's at the helm, I don't think it's going to, I think it's all going to go through and the turmoil that's going to be created is going to be unbelievable. And if, Mm. if most people that don't go along, aren't just wiped out, that seems impossible that we won't end up with a, at least a bifurcated society, almost like break off civilization level type of stuff. I'm just the kind of person personally like i will not be fucking looking into that orb (laughs) when i went to uga yeah yeah at some point they were like oh look into this thing i was like what is it and like it scans your retina and put creates a a thing you know so you can have access i was like like what like what 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 are you talking about like i literally asked the person who is probably just a student 
That's a key point, by the way. They just had some student, you know, standing there. Okay, now do this. I said, why? Well, because whatever. So you can get into the lunchroom. And I was like, well, do I have to do this? And they were like, well, I mean, kind of. I'm like, kind of? (laughs) Kind of. What is that? Like, they don't. So the people that they're giving this stuff to, the people that that will be interacting with it, the regular folks that have to encounter this reality will be henchmen and not even know what they don't even know what they're doing. Well, you know, it's like, literally they're like, like that. The orb people are literally paid by the company to scan people's retinas. They didn't make the technology. They don't know what it's doing. They don't know what they their data is doing. Yeah. They don't even know what's in the orb or how they, it works. Like I'm saying, they're, they're basically idiots. They're just like, yeah, you just do this and then I, do, and then this happens or I give you this or what, you know, it's like, I don't, well, but do I have to, I kind of, like what? What? Like, right, technically exactly. at UGA, I was pissed because I could have said no. Oh, hmm. I'm sure I could have said no. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. What I, if I didn't? What if I didn't have eyes? People are so compliant. It's like I saw this video where this person was standing outside of like some place building or whatever and they were like patting people down as they came in and this was not like an event or anything but people prank yeah people were just lifting their arms and it's just it was just mind-boggling to watch because you're like wow i mean that is so true like people really do just comply with things because partly it's like you can't you don't have the mental bandwidth to question everything like you know in in the world that we live in you don't have the capability to do that and that's the problem is that people are born into a world that they have no idea how it happened. So I literally remember this. Before 9-11, when you got on an airplane, all that shit that you have to do to go through an airport, that like psychotic shoes off, x-ray scanners, pat downs, agents everywhere, that was not there. You literally, none of that was, none of it was there. Just get None on the of airplane, it. yeah. You just got on the fucking airplane and everything was fine. They don't, it doesn't do anything. Yeah. It's like, it's a scan, it's literally what they call security theater. And there were researchers that said, let's see if it works. And they started smuggling like weapons and stuff through the airport. And they got away with it 100% of the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the security state is like it's but my the bigger point here is that you just think that that's normal but it's it was never normal until it was hoisted and forced upon people. Well, and the problem, yeah, the point I was just making, it's like you don't even have the like you just comply with it. It's like you don't have time to question all of that and like is that, you know, if I went up and like, okay, well, I don't want to go through this you know, uh, x-ray scanner thing. I don't want to be exposed to the radiation. Is there a way for me to get on this plane without being exposed to radiation, ma'am? You know, it's like, you, you there just is, don't, you can't do that kind of stuff. You don't have you time can say, or the ability to question all that stuff. You can, they'll pat you down though. You're still getting people laying hands on you. I mean, it's just a, and those people are like, they're just, oh my God. They, they, they used to work at McDonald's, you know, like it's not, they're just, they're like you, you right. know, like they're not, but this is a sad it's thing. Ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, people will just put up with all sorts of nonsensical systems and processes. And it's like, why do we do this? And it's like, well, it's, I mean, whatever. Like, it's just the way it's done. That's like how it is, you know. And you encounter this on so many levels. I feel like you encounter this in business. You encounter this in school. You encounter this in, you know, public institutions. And it's just ridiculous. It's like, 
like taxes, you know, like why are taxes done the way that they're done? You know, like why do we have private companies who charge you money to pay your tax? Like I already have to pay taxes. Like it's already crazy that so much money is going to the government and that we just were like, all right, I don't even know who these people are. I don't even never encountered the federal government, but all right, here 30% of my paycheck goes to them and and I have to pay for it apparently. I have to pay to send them the money and to get the right money from my account. You know, it's like what are like how is this like this? Like why well, and is it every, like this? And everything is ju- just gets turned into a joke. Like it's already like a mainstream meme about taxes that like how does this work again? Okay, so you if you know how much money I owe you government because if i don't pay the right amount you'll tell me that i didn't pay the right amount but to pay the right amount you could just tell me what i owe but you you don't do that you don't just say here's the bill so it's like some psycho fucking system where it's like you figure it out and it's like what well i just tell me what the fuck i need to give you to so you don't so you just leave me alone Right, right. And what's funny is that most people will do that, but it, they make it so much worse than it has to be by literally making you figure it out. You pay, then it's wrong. And then they tell you it's wrong. And then you say, well, how is it wrong? What do I? And then it's again, it's you figure it out. It's like, what the fuck is the system? Like, what is that? Right. That's what I'm saying. There's like so much stories like that is I feel like our whole society, it's like, well, this this is asinine and no one really knows why it's done this way, but we're all just compliant. We're all just keeping it going, you know, <laughs> like got to keep the taxes so, flowing. It's uh, so stupid. It's weird. It's weird. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's just we're thrust into a world that we don't understand. It's been built up for years and years on generation after generation, and it's just too complicated. Um, I mean, could you imagine if there were like a Ted Kaczynski right now? Like, like people realized, I mean, only a few short years ago, there was a lot of talk that like basically had the tone that he was right. And then people would say, but he was wrong because violence. And I'm not saying that he was right to do the violence, but I will ask the question what do you do so right, if you don't right. want this if you don't want this world what do you do and i th- i actually do believe there's a nonviolent solution and it's like don't comply do not accept this stuff don't wear the mask don't get the vaccine don't do like literally don't do what you're told by people who don't give a single shit about you yeah like, think for yourself, why do you even have a brain if you're not going to use it? Why Why do you even have, what's the point of free will? What's the point of even being a person if someone else is mm. doing everything, telling you what to do all the time? That's not a person, that's a puppet. You're just a, yeah. an empty vassal of the ward and that's no life at all. It's better to... Yeah. to to work it out on your own, to figure it out with you, your, yourself, your family, your community. And... There's systems in place currently, and for whatever reason, they just won't quit. And I'll bring it back to this this quote. Here, let me see if I can play the quote, just out of his own mouth. Bankless Nation, I would like to introduce you to the co-founders of WorldCoin, Alex Blania and Sam Altman. Sam, Alex, welcome to Bankless. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, David. This is going to be cool. 
Yeah, I'm really excited for the, for this conversation because uh, the WorldCoin story arc uh, is an interesting one as it relates to both the crypto world and also especially now with the surgence of and I think it is perfect the idea needs something like WorldCoin. Quite powerful. Here's the quote. I, I started thinking initially that it would be quite powerful if you could have the biggest network, like the biggest financial and identity network imaginable. You could have something truly global and sort of had no good ideas about how to do that. Uh, the first version we started and biggest financially quite powerful if you could have the biggest network, like the biggest financial and identity network imaginable. You could have something truly global and sort of had no good ideas about how to do that. I mean, the started thinking oh my God. Be quite powerful. <laughs> I like how he says it in a way that it's like, this is a respectable thing. Like, like this is, this is really insightful. And like, this is like, I just started thinking, like, how could we have like the biggest financial network? Like kind of like how someone would open a TED talk or something, you know, like literally and parse the sentence. I started thinking it would be really powerful. If powerful, it would be really powerful. Good. If you powerful, it would be really powerful. If you could have you, he's speaking about himself. If one, me, if I could have the biggest network, like the biggest financial and identity network imaginable, you could have something truly global. I started thinking that. I started thinking about power and how much power you could have. And <laughs> I didn't really have any other thoughts about it. I didn't even I know how to thinking, do it. <laughs> didn't know. Didn't even know what I... I just had that thought. And I just started thinking about how to do it. And then I went to Silicon Valley to get some investment. And then the people, the gurus there, the VC billionaires told me, this is how you do it. <laughs> so the... So Go the to entire... the third world countries, give them money yes. so that they sign up for your product and look into the orb. So oh the whole God. thing is predicated on an idea... And the, the idea and the thought was it could Power. be really powerful <laughs> if I could have the, a global identity and financial system, the biggest one imaginable. Literally, I mean, I cannot escape. That's the first sentence. He said, he said, tell me about this idea arc. Tell me about how this came to be. And he says, it would be really powerful if I could have... <laughs> Global a, power. A global, if <laughs> global I could have global control. control of identity and finance. And transactions. Yeah. Which is literally like the thing Jesus told them not to do in the Bible. He was like, don't turn my house into a market or whatever. Don't turn the temple of my father into a market. And it was about trading and bartering and taxing people. And what and else? What else does he so, interactions and relationships. So Jesus goes into an actual temple an actual temple and overturns the money tables. But later Jesus says, or the Bible tells us, I'm pretty sure it was a Jesus thing. The body, you are the temple. You are a temple. And now we're creating a system that turns the temple into a node in the market table, in the global <laughs> yeah. identity marketplace. 
So you're literally turning the temp. So if I'm a temple, what's the conglomeration of all humans, the true temple, into a global financial identity network? Into the money table, yeah. Yeah. Into the money changers. It's literally, I don't even think it was like a marketplace. I think it was like, what they call it, like money changers or money something changing, like that. Money changing, yeah. I mean, yeah. Ding, 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 ding. Like, yeah. mind blown. Guess, like, yeah. what are we doing? We've All People right. have been warning, warning it, us folks. of this for a thousand <laughs> years. Yeah. Yep. All right. And, and SBF was, if not the most, one of the uh, biggest donors to the Biden campaign. Oh, yeah. Millions. 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 No. Of other people's so, money, by the way, that he just rickrolled people from or whatever. Rigamarole. Yeah, I, I wonder if a world coin and a global identity network would solve that problem. Oh, no, it wouldn't? Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Of course not. No, it's a pump and dump. It's a pump and dump. Just classic pump and dump.